I'm so glad to see all of you today. And uh, we're in continuing in our series uh, on um, spiritual practices. And the idea here is to kind of help you with your spiritual rhythms. Um, because I think sometimes uh, the danger for all of us is to come to church on Sunday feeling that we get our spiritual tanks full and we're able to carry on the rest of the week. And the fact of the matter is that's just not true. Um, yeah, you're going to get a certain amount of filling when you come and you hang out with God and when you come and hang out with other people. But the fact of the matter is, in order to be uh, a growing disciple in Jesus, you need to spend a little more time with God because we believe ultimately that spiritual growth happens when we're in God's presence, right? I mean, we've been talking about this all summer long. In fact, we've been talking about this for over a year. And the idea here is that with these spiritual practices that we're going to kind of help you get into the presence of God. It's just one other way of, of doing it. And, and we, we want to try to give you as many pathways as possible so that you can connect with God on a more regular basis. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I introduced this idea, this, um, this triangle. And I want to talk a little bit more about it today because if, if you remember, we all have an assignment. You're kind of there on the bottom left and and we all have an assignment, and your assignments can vary. Uh, some of you are spouses, some of you are um, uh, parents, some of you are kids yourself. Uh, you have a variety of different assignments, and this goes um, into even your career. You have a certain role that you play in your job. You have a certain role that you play in your neighborhood, right? There are different things that each one of us, um, you know, has you know, kind of a reputation for or a role to play, and so we talk about it being your assignment. Um, and a kind of more churchy sort of understanding is that the assignment for a lot of us is to pastor a church. Uh, for me, that's, that's the case, and for the people on staff. And so we have this assignment that happens to be our career, but it happens to be a spiritual type of thing, or that's our assignment. And, and what happens is, is that... Um, there are places where we can be disciples of Jesus in that assignment, if this makes sense. And what often happens is, is that we get the assignment, we get so excited about it, we start trying to do it on our own effort. We attempt to, you know, climb up the left side of the triangle, if that makes sense. And we try to do it on our, our own power. But God doesn't ask us to do that. You need to understand that. God doesn't ask us to do this on our own. And so maybe a little better understanding of it is, is that you've got God kind of in that right-hand corner, that bottom part of the triangle. And we're called to be with him first. And so I've said this often, and I will continue to say it, do not confuse your calling with your assignment. They are two separate things. We are called to, to be with God first, so that we may get the empowerment to actually do the assignment that he has given us. We have a friend of ours who calls the assignment something even more profound. He says it's not just an assignment, it's a sacred trust. God has given you that particular assignment that is a sacred trust for you, and if it is a sacred trust, then you're going to need some Holy, Holy Spirit empowerment in order to get there. And I think that's, that's true, and frankly, I think that's worth thinking about. And so this idea here is to, to, to engage in these spiritual practices uh, to, to help us chase after the presence of God. And, and by the way, my intention here is not um, to do all of the spiritual practices, <laughs> um, but to just find one or a couple that might, might help you connect to God. 
And so last week, we, we talked about the idea of study being a spiritual practice, but also submission. And ultimately, the question comes down to this. Um, why would you even study if you have no intention of actually submitting to the thing that you learned? And so that's why those two things belong together. So we've taken these spiritual practices, we've tried to pair them um, to help us think a little more robustly about them. And so today we're going we're gonna to switch and talk about two other ones, prayer and meditation. Um, skills. That's what these practices are. They're skills that we actually have to learn. And in order to, to do them, you need to, to, to repeat them, to do them over a period of time so they become part of you. Now we could pair um, pretty, you know, prayer with pretty much all of the other uh, dis- disciplines, and in fact, uh, I, I think that's a good idea. You probably ought to do that. So if you're going to engage in any one of the practices, uh, any one of these spiritual disciplines, you probably ought to pray about it too. Uh, it's just a good idea. Um, but this practice, frankly, gets the most press, doesn't it? Um, we find it in the Old Testament, we find it in the New Testament. Jesus spends an awful lot of time in prayer, and uh, we find it threaded throughout the entire Bible, and frankly, the church has emphasized this for over a millennia. It's a big deal. Prayer is a big piece of this. And in the interest of time, one of the things I want to do is just make two simple comments about prayer. I've talked about this in the past. I'll continue to talk about it, but I want to make just two fundamental comments, things for you to think about when it comes to prayer. Here's the first one. Prayer is simply talking with God. Let's not complicate what prayer is. I've told this story before, but I went to one of my first seminary classes, and the professor came out of a very traditional denomination. And so uh, he was a very bright man, but as he said at the beginning of class, let's pray, and he started praying, and I didn't understand a word he said because there was lots of these and thous in it. I just, I'm like, well, wait a second. Who's this guy? <laughs> this one, the guy who just walked in the door for the first time. But these, thous, thithers, and withers, and a bunch of, you know, King James Version words that I didn't understand. It was very interesting to me. Uh, but that's what spoke to him, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But let's understand it in its most basic, fundamental, base format. It is just talking with God. Now, I want you to notice that I used a very specific preposition here. I used the word with. God's not happy with that. No, (laughs) just kidding. Prayer is simply talking with God, which means prayer is a conversation. That means that... um, There's a back and forth to this. We speak, we listen. We speak, we listen. It's one of the reasons why I prefer to do a lot of my praying through my journal because it helps me slow down enough um, in order to hear what God is trying to say, if that makes sense. And so we're we're trying to do that. We're trying to have this kind of back and forth to all of it. And I think sometimes we often pray to or we pray at God. conversations are supposed to build relationship because there's ebb and flow, there's back and forth, there is a mutual dance that happens within that dialogue. Now, I want you to imagine, those of you who are married, I want you to imagine what your life would be like if you sat down with your spouse every single morning 
and for two minutes, you simply told your spouse exactly what it was that you needed from them. You got up, walked out the door, and went to work. And when you came home, you didn't have another conversation until your head hit the pillow and you just said, hey, thanks for doing all that. What kind of relationship would you have? (laughs) I think sometimes, and I know this is going to sound harsh, but if you talked with your spouse the way you talked to God, you would not be married. Yeah. I'm not trying to be harsh or trying to be shameful about these things, but, but think about that a little bit. I'm trying to encourage people to not settle for something that's less than what God has in mind. And so when we're talking about praying, when we're talking about having a conversation, that means we're actually listening to what God has to say. Now, to be fair, some kind, sometimes God doesn't say anything. At least I'm not hearing what he's having to say at that moment, but that doesn't mean he won't the next time I sit down with him. The point is, is to be listening for the things that God has in mind. Lately for me, it's um, come in the form of scripture passages. I'm not sure why, but that's okay. I'll, I'll take it because I really think that God is, is, um, is communicating through that. So here's the thing. If your spiritual life feels a bit dry, start with this idea of conversation. And <laughs> I made a comment about this a couple of weeks ago, but we're a microwave generation and God is more of a crockpot right? And sometimes we actually have to slow down enough to listen to him, and that's not convenient for us, right? And so I just want to encourage you, if your spiritual life feels dry, to just stop and slow down and say, God, what am I missing? Is there something that you need to say to me? Is there something that I need to hear from you? God, what is it Um, that you're trying to communicate uh, in this busyness of my life or if I'm feeling like things are going crazy and I'm not hearing from you, God, what are you trying to teach me? What is it? What is it? What's the thing that's going on here? And to listen, not just for five minutes, but to listen for the rest of the day, to really listen. And I think um, if you're really sensitive to it, that God will speak to you. I do believe that. A friend of mine reminded me of this technique when you get to that point, and I, I suspect if you haven't been at that point, you will at some level. Um, you'll end up at a point where you feel dry and you need God to speak to you. When you pray that prayer, when you pray that prayer asking for God to speak, to have a conversation with him, uh, it's, a very, it's a very simple thing to do, and, and I suggest that you do it. As you're listening, listen with your palms up. It's a posture of receptivity. It's a simple thing. But for some reason, this turns some kind of switch on in your brain, and you are more likely um, to pay closer attention to it. And you just sit there for a few minutes and see if God has something for you. I just highly recommend that. Just encourage you to do something different. If you continue to do the same things that you've always done, don't be surprised if you get the same results. (laughs) So do something a little different. Right? Try something a little different. Slow down, listen, palms up, see what happens. So I want to turn our attention 
from prayer, and I want to talk a little bit about meditation. I'm going to tell you a little bit about this picture. Years ago, <clears throat> I, uh, when I was a lot younger, I studied martial arts, and I would uh, drive once a month to a school in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which was about three hours away from where I lived. <clears throat> and I walked in on a class uh, I would, uh, that would, preceded the one that I was attending, and uh, I walked in, and there was a group of people very similar to this sitting on cushions. <clears throat> and uh, the teacher, who was a little bit larger than that man and had a much scarier <laughs> stick in his hand, uh, would be walking around as this class was meditating. And uh, there was no sound to it. It was very quiet. There was a lot of breathing. But periodically, Sensei would walk up, and he would take this. Uh, it was essentially a bamboo uh, kendo stick used in the, the art of kendo. And he would touch somebody on the shoulder and they would, they would kind of bow down and he'd go whap on their back because he could tell that they weren't, they weren't meditating, that their thoughts were wandering. And I'm watching this going, uh-uh, no way. Because I know my brain, I'd walk out of that place black and blue. I'd just be... <laughs> my wife like, can you pay somebody to do this to you? Nope, not doing that one. It's a form of Zen meditation. Now, I think there's a lot of benefit to that, frankly. Um, I just don't want to get hit by a bamboo kendo sword. Thank you very much. Not my idea of a good time. Um, but many of the Eastern traditions have this idea of meditation as being part of spiritual practice. Um, I think it's a little bit innate in our, in our humanity. I think it's something that God puts in us, and it's interesting we find this throughout a number of different religions, this idea of meditating on something. And, and of course, it's going to look different. The forms and the goals of those meditations are going to look a little bit um, different from place to place and from religion to religion because uh, they all have different kinds of an agendas, and that, that makes perfect sense to me. But Christian meditation actually comes or we actually get our cues from the Old Testament. And I mentioned um, this verse last week, but I want to read it again because I think it's helpful, this idea of meditation. God, in giving his commandments uh, to the people of Israel, he says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. It's something that's, that, that's integrated into us. Impress them on your children. So it's not just about you, but it's about the people that you live with. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. And you get the sense that through all of this is it's not just to study those concepts, to study those uh, precepts, but rather to absorb them, to assimilate them, to integrate them, to soak them in and then actually live them out every single day, what we call in real life or in real time, right? That it begins to influence what our thoughts and behaviors are. That's the idea that's, that's being communicated here. So it's supposed to permeate every single part of, of our existence is this idea that, that, that God's word is not something we simply study, but something that becomes part of us. And even the poets grab, uh, grasped this, um, the ancient poets. Here it is in Psalm 1. I really like this. Blessed is the one 
who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, which, by the way, there's a progression there, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who, what's the word, meditates on the law day and night, right? There is this idea that's going on here. It's that they're staying away from one thing, but they're actually engaged in something else. Yes, there's a delight in the word, but it's not just um, I'm just happy about it, but rather I am absorbing this thing. I am integrating this into my life. I'm meditating on these, these ideas. I'm trying to make it a part of, of who I am. And so we have this, this progression of evil, right? You see this that's happening. It's that do not walk in, in step with the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners or in the company of mockers. So there's movement. And there's finally just sitting there in that place of, of evil. And this is opposite of that. The idea of meditation here is when we're talking about the word of God, the Torah, it stands in opposition to all of those things. So we want to make that uh, a part of who we are. Um, around here, we like uh, Thomas Merton. Um, he's a Catholic monk and a, a mystic. In fact, here he is. There he is right there, Thomas Merton. And, and he makes this great quote. Uh, James found this for us, and I, I think this is beautiful. By, by study, we seek the truth in books or in some other source outside of our own minds. That's study. In meditation, we strive to absorb what we have already taken in. Do you see the difference? This is a big deal. We talked about study last week, but meditation is when you take that and try to make it a part of who you are. Uh, he uses the word absorb, but it's this idea of integrating those things into us. So by study, we're looking for truth, but by meditation, we're looking to, to actually incorporate it into our own lives. And so what I want to suggest to you is that medita meditation involves two very big ideas. First one is this. Meditation requires focus. Extended time and attention on a single passage, on a single truth, or on a single idea. It's to focus your attention on something. Look. <laughs> okay, confession time. How many of you went to look at, say, your email and ended somehow on YouTube watching cat videos? Or nah, maybe it's not cat. It's in our house, it's cat videos. But in your house, it may be, or kitten videos. It may be something else in your house. But how many of you, and, go, and two hours later, you're like, wow, what just happened to the time? Now, come on, be honest, you're in church. Yeah. We can focus our attention on certain things. And so if you're going to meditate on something, if you're going to meditate on God, you have to have a little bit of focus. You have to have a little bit of a discipline. That's what we call it a spiritual discipline. In order to take that, that passage, uh, that scripture verse, um, that truth or that idea, and to think about it, to turn it over in your mind, to ask some questions about it. And here's the second part. It doesn't just require focus. It also requires a certain amount of repetition. The idea of trying to keep it in front of you over a period of time. Um, it's a really good idea if you write it down. Um, a guy that I know who's a designer, he says, it's not real until you write it down, until you get it from the word into your brain and then you write it down again. That's when it becomes uh, a little more a part of you. And the idea here is don't let go. Don't let go of this asking questions about it. God, what does this mean? 
Lord, here's what the passage says. What are you trying to tell? What are you trying to tell me through this? What is it that's in here? God, is there something that's missing in my life or is there something that I need to emphasize? God, what is this about? You're asking questions. You're, you're memorizing the passage. You're repeating it over and over. Uh, whatever that happens to be, things for you to think about. I don't know why it is, but it seems to me, I read this somewhere, but for every one uh, compliment that you get, uh, that you remember, you'll get 15 negative ones that you always will remember. Did you know this? I mean, there's some kind of a balance there. It's like 15 to 1 ratio. I'm, I'm not sure why that is. Why is it that we can remember the negative stuff? And, and if you're like me, I can replay that one over and over and over in my mind and beat myself up for it. But what if we used that same part of our brain to just say, God, what, what's on your heart? What are you trying to tell me here? God, what is it that's going on in this passage that you want me to understand? Why did you bring this to my mind? And just turn these things over. That's meditating on things. Does that make sense? So meditate on something positive, not negative. So keep your focus and, keep, and uh, repeat it over and over. Otherwise, thwack! I think that's what happens in real life. We get hit by real life again and it drives us back to something we focus on. Um, just kind of in line with this, in my own journaling, I've had this one particular passage come up probably every other day for the last two weeks. I'm just like, okay, God. <laughs> I'm not sure why that is because uh, I'm looking for something else and yet this is the one that keeps coming back up. I think he's trying to get my attention. So, not the sharpest tool in the shed and a little slow on the uptake, but that's okay. Um, God's got me on this one and I want to I listen to what he has to say. So you see how meditation and prayer tend to kind of dovetail a little bit? Because you're, you're not just thinking about the verse, but you're actually talking to God about it. And so those two things really go hand in uh, hand, in hand uh, quite well. So keep that in mind. Now, um, yeah, I want to keep this up there for you to think about. But I, I recognize... Um, again, that there's too many of these spiritual practices to do all of them. I mean, we probably got another six or seven to go in this series, so, you know, I don't want to overwhelm anyone. Um, but I want to try to give you these additional pathways. And, and look, here's the thing. Some of these are not going to work for you. That's okay. That's why we have a lot of them and we have 2,000 years of experience with these because one of these is going to ping your radar. One of these is really going to resonate with you and you're going to feel like, oh, I can get some traction on this. And don't be surprised, depending on your circumstances, if one of these practices makes more sense right now and it doesn't make sense later. Or there's something that you're doing now that no longer works for you, then try something else. The point is, is that you're trying to connect with God. This is just a methodology. Does this make sense? Nod your head so I know you're awake. Yeah. So this is kind of an important thing to think about. Um, so I recognize that there's a lot of these. The point is that you need to hang with the Holy Spirit. You need the presence of God in your life, and you need to spend some time with Jesus. And so I want to give you a pathway to do that. But I also recognize that, that the challenge... The challenge is finding time to pray and study and meditate. 
But that's why they're called disciplines. You actually have to carve out some time for this. Sometimes I think um, our discipleship is a matter of convenience. I know it is for me because I've got my own agenda. I got things I got to get done for the church. But the fact of the matter is, if I'm looking at my triangle, that's my assignment. What I really need is the calling. I need to spend some time down there so that I have power to actually do this thing. Because you know what? Pastoring all of you is too much for one person. Too much for me. And whatever your role is, whatever your assignment is, is too much for you as well. If I, I, don't, I don't know how to be a decent spouse and a decent parent without the power of God in my life. I got one in college and I got one in the third grade. Oh my gosh, split right in half. And you've got your set of circumstances too. What all I'm suggesting is, is that it's too much for any one person and it's, it's not something that God asks us to do. He wants to empower you to do those things. And so to have a discipline where you're trying to spend time with God, it's not about the activity. It's about the person you're hanging out with. Are you getting this? It's an important thing to, to keep in mind. That's what we're thinking about too. Now, I also suspect, because <laughs> we're all human, I suspect there's another thought that might be occurring in your mind. And I know this because it actually crosses my mind. I don't have the time can't do it. Or how about this one? I'm afraid nothing will happen. Oh, it got quiet in here again. <laughs> I wonder that. I'm afraid nothing will happen. Because if nothing happens, if I don't hear God speak to me, or if I don't if I don't see evidence of him in my life, if that happens and nothing actually happens, then there must be something wrong with me. It must be fundamentally flawed. This works for everybody else, but it doesn't work for me. Is this sounding familiar to anybody? My friends, that's, that's shame. It's just your shame trying to keep you from trying something. Shame is a tool I think the enemy uses to keep us off the field of battle. But can I tell you that God wants to connect with you? He wants to. He wants to have a conversation. It's not just about him downloading. He wants to have the exchange because he can handle your questions. Can I tell you that God wants to be a part of your daily life? Daily life. Day in, day out, in real time, in real life. That God actually wants to be part of that. So my encouragement is just don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Keep engaging in some type of practice. I remember years ago there were these little silicon wristbands that said push. 
pray until something happens. Remember that? You know, that kind of thing. It's still good advice. The point is, is don't quit. Keep trying to find different things that resonate with you, that allow you to connect with your Father in heaven who wants to be with you. He wants to be with you. So find a, find a passage. Meditate on it. Test this thing out. See, see what it's like. Experiment a little bit. Think about that passage. Memorize that passage. Pray and ask God to give you some, some insight into it. Talk with others about it. What is God actually saying to you through that passage? Now, because um, we are who we are, I'm going to give you a passage to start with. I'm going to make it easy for you so you don't even have to go pick your own passage, okay? See, I got your best interest at heart, right? <laughs> Keep that in mind. Here's the passage. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-control. Remember a little while ago, I, kept, I, I said there's this passage that keeps coming up. This is the one. I, I don't know why. It just keeps coming up over and over and over again just in my own journaling. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-control. Take this passage, write it down, put it on a sticky note. And if you don't want to write down the verse, write down 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. You can go look it up later. But take that passage. Maybe you got one that you like. That's fine. I'm just giving you one so you don't have to do any more work and I take away your excuse. Second <laughs> Timothy 1, verse 7. For the Spirit of God, uh, the Spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-control. God, what does this mean? What insight do you have here? What am I missing? What is it that you want me to see about this passage? God, help me to examine my own life. Where, where do I not have power, love, and self-control? Oh, self-control, <laughs> Yay. You want to talk about that, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Maybe for you it's something else. Maybe it's love. Maybe it's power. I don't know what it is. Write it down. Put it on a sticky note. Write it on your bathroom mirror. Whatever it happens to be, you're studying and you're meditating on this thing. Turning it over in your mind, allowing God to speak to you. 